Are you ready to become a VIP? Do you have a cell phone that you can text on? Then consider this an exclusive invitation. As a VIP, you will receive special secret offers via text. These items are usually free and they are always must-have craft supplies from beloved brands. Send us a text and become a VIP at scrapbook.com. Welcome to the Life Handmade Podcast by Scrapbook.com. This is the show for paper crafters, and I'm your host, Stephanie Foster. Today, we are speaking with Shamel Lane, and you are going to hear all about her scrapbooking journey, from the very first scrapbook she created to the struggles she faced in discovering her personal voice and unique scrapbooking style. We're going to hear about the inspiration behind her earliest collections, and we'll talk about her latest release too. She also provides some much needed advice for those of us who struggle to find time to scrapbook in day-to-day life. We are so excited to have Shamel in the studio today. Shamel grew up in Kansas City and has been living in London for over 20 years now. She has a love for all things Disney and has worked as an editor for Scrapbook Inspirations Magazine and Idea Books. She teaches online scrapbooking, journaling, and crafting classes and has designed for several companies over the past um, years and is releasing her newest collection this month with American Crafts. She's been a designer for American Crafts for over five years now, and this is her 12th collection. So we're excited to be talking to her about that too. So welcome, Shamel. We're excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So let's get started with how your scrapbooking journey began. When when did you first kind of create your first scrapbook? Can you take us back to that day? Yeah. So my first scrapbook was the autumn of 1998. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I made an album um, and I can't even, you know how if you have your first album and it, you kind of cringe when you look at it, I can't hide it because it was a gift for someone else. So I can't even be like, oh, let's not look at that anymore. No, I gave it away. (laughs) So what happened was um, in my undergrad, I studied uh, theater and I was in a play that's, um, it, they use this script to be in a film as well. So it's called Crimes of the Heart and it's a really small cast. So we felt like we had this little ensemble thing and we did a lot of working as a group, um, like kind of getting into character or working with a director who wanted you to try to do a lot of things that didn't have to do with the script. Mm-hmm. So um, we would go to her house and we would cook dinner together and then um, like eat dinner in, in character and prepare mm-hmm. the dinner in character. And we realized that she was really driving us not just to create a lovely play, but she was really just kind of driving us as as being better humans. And it was very touching. And we decided the only thing that really would be lovely enough for her would be that if we made something that was a book for her. So we decided we would make this scrapbook. And so um, there was a scene in the play where one of the actors uses a nutcracker and just the whole time he's talking through his whole monologue, he cracks pecans on the stage. Uh And so we had this never ending pile of cracked nutshells. And I glued them all to a piece of paper and put them in a page protector. We made lemonade on stage every night. And so um, I put lemonade packets. I would tape every night's lemonade packet into this page. Um, And everybody wrote a letter and, and we put together this album and then we gave it to her on our closing night. 
That's neat. So, so you went from making your very first scrapbook and then how many years later were you designing for teams and magazines? About a year and a half later. That's it was fast. not long. That and uh, this was the day of, of contests and applying for like page calls and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, there were a few magazines by that point and the Hall of Fame existed from Creating Keepsakes. Oh, yes. So I applied. Were you in the Hall of Fame? I was in the Hall oh, of Fame. What year? So I was 2001. Okay. And I applied in 2000. So that would have been while I was studying. And um, I didn't do it with any intention of winning. I did it because I liked the idea of they asked you not to create pages for the call, but to go through what you've made in the past year and choose your eight favorites. Mm-hmm. And then make a little photocopy and put them all on a grid and send them in the post. Can you imagine? This is like right? the dark ages. <laughs> you had to find somewhere that had a, a color printer that you could do this on because we didn't all have color printers in our houses. Um, yeah. And so you would print out the layouts at this smaller size and make a little portfolio basically and send it in. And I thought, I wonder of the pages that I'm making, which ones do I really like the most? I like this as an exercise. So I'll just go through And I thought to myself that I will just make this a yearly thing that once a year I review the pages I've made and I choose my eight favorites and I make this. I'll go ahead and send them in because maybe one day I'll I'll be like an honorable mention. So the first year I didn't get anything back. The second year I entered again, but with that whole intention that I had no, no plans to try and win. I wasn't trying to make anything extra fancy. I was just picking my favorites. And then there was a, another magazine called Paper Cuts with mm-hmm. a K. And they put out a call for something they were going to call the Paper Cuts Dream Team. And I, no, the Paper Cuts Power Team, Power Team. And I thought, okay, well, I can send in the same layouts. There's nothing in the rules that say you can't apply for both. Well, if I'm sending one letter, I might as well send two. So I sent the same little portfolio of pages to the two magazines because I had no intention of of winning. And I thought maybe with paper cuts, I'll apply it. And they published a lot more like reader submissions. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe if they like what it looks like from the little portfolio, then maybe once it, once in a while I could get one layout in or, you know, it can't hurt. So I did that. And then I won both. Oh, how exciting. It's still like, I look back and I'm like, what, what happened then? I don't understand. I don't know. And it became like kind of the first grown-up drama I'd ever had in my life. I was very, very young. Um, and yeah, I, I I didn't know what to do. And the two companies were kind of going, well, one was saying you have to pick. And the other one was saying, no, please do both. Oh. And I was like, I, d- I don't know. This is weird. And I'm dealing with editors when I've never had even a single page published. And suddenly people are like, we're going to publish everything you make. Um, and it was very confusing. And so in the end, um, I was in the, the Hall of Fame book, but then I didn't do much extra work for creating keepsakes. But I then was in every issue of paper cuts with multiple layouts. Like sometimes I was doing a dozen layouts per month just for them. Wow, that's impressive. Um, so, yeah, and it, it was a great boost because it was right as I was finishing my degree. I didn't have a job yet because um, I still did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, so I was like, well, if you're going to pay me to do layouts every month, I'm going to do as many as you will take because I need to keep these lights on. Right. Um, and so that's that's what I did. And so I did this year long contract where I had lots and lots of layouts every issue. How fun. So as you started submitting all of these layouts and doing work for others, what what was 
one of your biggest challenges initially with that? Um, initially, it was really funny. Um, I didn't have kids and I wasn't married. And this made me a really like a beautiful and unique snowflake. <laughs> in the scrapbooking world. In the scrapbooking world, people in that day and age, people were like, no, scrapbookers are mothers and grandmothers and they are scrapbooking photos of their children. And I was scrapbooking photos that either I was in them or they were just of things mm -hmm. who scrapbook like landmarks mm -hmm. and mountains. And, you know, anywhere I went, I would take random pictures of pretty things that I saw around. I scrapbooked a picture of a flower growing in a boot. <laughs> and to me, that was like a really cool thing to take a picture of. And then people are like, yeah, no one's going to connect with this. I'm like, oh, oh, OK. So then I would get all these assignments and they would say, this needs to be photos of children at a birthday party. This needs to be photos of children at a park. This needs to be a baby. This needs to be. But I didn't have children. So for a lot of my early assignments, I borrowed photos of other people's kids mm -hmm. and then made up the journaling about oh. those children. Um, so it's essentially like making, like using stock photos, but right. I, I, I was using photos that people had, had given to me with permission to use them. So it was truly kind of more of a job and working yeah. than really getting to create and express for yourself. And I think I didn't have the confidence quite yet to say, but this is me and you hired me for me. There weren't kids in any of the layouts that I submitted. Mm -hmm. You knew that I scrapbook, you know, flowers in shoes. Why not? Um, and, um, so either you like what I do or you don't. And that, now I certainly have the confidence to say that. I love that. And I bet it felt so different to create for that where you're creating and expressing yourself and being authentic and telling your story yes. instead of doing that for someone else. Well, and it was weird because when I was making pages for magazines, it wasn't that I wasn't making those pages, but I felt like I had to keep the pages that were about me secret. And um, I feel like we don't have that culture in scrapbooking anymore and right. that it is fine. Um, when I first started posting pictures or posting layouts online, and this would have been around 2000, 2001, I would get really quite catty comments about the fact that I was in my photos. Um, and, and I went to a crop once where somebody said something that was horrific and now, of course, you know when you do that thing where somebody says something to you and then 20 minutes later you have the perfect response? Yes. Yeah, yes. that 20 minutes has been the whole rest of my <laughs> life. Um, so I went to a crop and she, I don't think, she she wasn't being mean. She said this honestly as her gut reaction and her gut reaction was mean and she didn't realize it. So she, I was kind of being introduced to her because um, the other ladies at the crop all knew each other and I was the the newbie. Um, and somebody else had invited me and they were being very friendly and she introduced me to the hostess and she's looking at my album and my album was kind of very different style than hers. It had a lot of color and pattern and she was a little bit more kind of white backgrounds and rounded edges and that sort of thing. And um, she just looked at my album and then she went, wait, so you're not married? No. And you don't have kids? No. She went, so what do you have to put in a scrapbook? Oh my goodness. And that like hit me. I had to leave the room. Yeah. I was like, well, hi, this is my life. Yes. And that is not what defines me. And Absolutely. I was like, this woman did not mean this as a philosophical oh. question, but I'm having a breakthrough now. Right. And um, so 
um, in the years that followed, it just it kind of sat at the back of my mind and in the bottom of my heart, kind of welling up and making me realize that the more I got published and the more I had the ability to kind of set my own agenda and say no to things, because saying no to things is is a very powerful mm-hmm. thing. Because when you start something new, you say yes to everything because you're terrified that if you say no, it'll be the thing that you should have done. Right. And it's all gone now. So you say yes to too much. Um, and so I would get to the point where I would start saying no and saying, no, either it's my way or or we don't do this. We do something else. Um, and I started feeling like I can't be the only person who has been in that place where somebody either outright said, what do you have to scrapbook or implied, what do you have to scrapbook? And those people need a voice. And yes. so I tried my best to be that voice wherever I could. Um, the The flip side of it is that when I did get married and have children, some people really said that I had like left them high and dry. Oh no, you, you, <laughs> you can't like, please everyone. No, right? and it was like, I really, that was never my intention. But equally, we scrapbook our lives, whatever is in our lives. So when I did not have a child, I obviously did not scrap children. I didn't have one to scrapbook. And now I do. It's quite fun to scrapbook him. But I had scrapbooked you know, for 18 years without one. Right. So I have told a lot of stories (laughs) that are just about me. So it's fun now to tell the stories where I am the chapter that's that's me as the mom. And how much will your, you know, child appreciate those stories that he has, you know, that you've told over those years. I remember back in the day, I did an all about me kind of album and it was weird. I never shared it with anyone, but like I was turning 30 that year. And so I put in all my favorite things and what I was watching at the time or, you know, my day-to-day activities or, and it has been fun for my kids to go back and look And that. I don't know. It it is neat because you just capture a moment in time if nothing else. But I just think it tells the story as, as we as scrapbookers love to do. My son loves looking through the album where I was a kid and he loves looking through the album of um, some of the stuff that my husband and I did before he came around. Um, he particularly likes the travel albums and seeing all the places we have been and then picking out, okay, can we go back here? Can we go back oh, there? Because I want to see that place too. Yes. So that's really lovely. That's neat. Well, what tips would you give to our listeners for how they can stay true to themselves when they're creating layouts or trying to find their voice in their journaling or in their scrapbooks? What would you... Well, about journaling, the thing that, that really... It's, my mother is a musician and she has this little thing that she posts on Facebook like a lot. It repeats often. And it's a conversation between an audience member and a musician. And the audience member says, you're so talented. It must be just a gift. I can't believe how, how lucky you are to have that. And the musician says, it's practice. <laughs> and the audience member says, no, 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 there's, there's just, you transcend. There is something that you do that other people just don't have. Yes, it's, it's practice. And no, there's, there's just something else. And then the musician gets really mad and says, all I do is practice. And so um, I think with writing, there's something that's quite intimidating about us starting. And we feel like the first words that we ever write down would be viewed by the public. And if you think of that in the terms of a performer, Unless you're an improv artist, Mm -hmm. a musician does not go out and perform a violin concerto reading the sheet music for the first time. Great analogy. That is not how it works. So don't feel like the first time you write on a page, it has to be this giant, you know, you're not going to write War and Peace on your first layout. 
but keep a journal where you write little bits and pieces that are just for you. And if you re- if you write a little bit every day or every couple days, every week, it will grow and grow and grow. That's your practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to have a place to write that other people are not viewing. Don't let other people view it. And it doesn't mean you need to be writing secrets that you don't want other people to see. It's because it's your safe space to practice. And if you go back and read it, if we all went back and read stuff we read when we were teenagers, we would cringe, right? Right. right. And it doesn't mean that we were wrong when we were teenagers. That was our life then. And we will write things now that we will go back and be like, oh gosh. And like people tell me, like people who have multiple children go back and they're like, I can't believe I was so concerned about every tiny little detail with the first child. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time you have three, they're eating mud and it's fine. Yeah, this is what I'm told. Yes. And so, um, yeah, we do all these other things and then we, we try to create a different standard of our scrapbook pages. So I think really, yeah, practice and don't worry about what you're writing when you're drafting. Um, and then I journal about things and you it depends on what your flow is. If you write better with a pen and pencil or, or on your phone or an iPad or whatever, if you like to type, if you like to tap it away. Um, if you want to use um, a voice recorder and mm-hmm. just write it and then dictate it out later. But I keep um, notes in a little journal. And then when I want to make a page, I often will revisit that note. Now, I don't always. Sometimes I can remember enough that I go, okay, no, I know where I want to go with this. But it's almost always got this breathing space to it. Mm-hmm. So um, I will have written about it and left it a while, a little while or a long while. And then I go back to it. And then the story fleshes out and it gets better because I've drafted and redrafted, which is exactly what you would tell a writer. So why do we hold ourselves higher to a higher standard than somebody who's a published author? Such great we're, advice. We're so harsh on ourselves. So be kind and practice. And, and, and write something yeah, down. Yeah, just so write something. Sometimes the fear of not writing the right thing keeps yeah. us from writing. And something is better than nothing. Yeah. So. Okay, so with that, and I love that, you know, you're telling your own story, you're you're starting to scrapbook what is meaningful to you. Tell me how that's flowed into your collections that you've done for American Crafts. So every collection I've done with American Crafts has its starting point in some sort of life story from my history. And so I would say that the first collection is kind of the most wide and esoteric because when you do one collection, you don't know if that's going to be the only one or if you're going to carry on Mm -hmm. to the point where originally um, I have this thing where I have always defined scrapbooking as um, pretty paper and true stories. Mm -hmm. That's kind of been my thing. So my idea was that we would do two collections and the first one would be pretty paper and the second one would be true stories. Oh, And we designed the first one to all be like that. And we knew The first one was going to be um, a lot of pinks, a lot of golds and everything. And then the second one was going to be these blues and reds and silver because we had this plan that we needed to introduce things to the market. We couldn't go too far from what was selling because Mm -hmm. you're always talking to a shop about what they want to buy and they want to buy what their customers are buying. And that is more of the same, basically. So we needed to have a safety zone. And that was we were in the pink and aqua and gold phase of scrapbooking. So my first collection has a lot of pink, aqua and gold. 
And then we, our plan was, if it, that meets our targets, the second collection will be the things we are not seeing in stores that I wish we could see in stores. And I wanted a more true rainbow of color. And I wanted silver. For some reason, we were gold mad and there was no silver. <laughs> um, and I always wear white toned jewelry, like silvery type jewelry. Mm-hmm. And I kept having these pictures that I'm like, I can't use the gold foil stickers because I'm wearing (laughs) silver in the picture and my brain can't cope with that. So there was a need. There was was a a need. need. Yes. And and a a funny thing we found was because I did a gold album in the first collection. I did a silver glitter album in the second collection. And we had stores come up to us going, oh, thank goodness, because the high schools in my town, we have one that's a gold and one that's a silver. And the ones who have kids at the silver, like, why don't you have an album for me? Perfect. And so I thought that was so funny. And then Never Grow Up is is what we're on to now. Okay, tell us a little bit about that collection. So Never Grow Up um, is a collection um, that when you first look at it, looks like a very childhood type collection. It has a lot of outdoorsy elements. It has a tree house. It has little creatures. It has you know, uh, a butterfly net and butterflies that you could catch in it and a little jar that you might have caught something in and and then please let it go later. But anyway, (laughs) uh, 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 different, yeah, little, quite nostalgic childhood, not not necessarily like uh, definitely an unplugged childhood, let's Mm -hmm. call it that. Um, So it could be of any time, but it is very much let's run in the fields and let's climb trees and let's catch creatures. Nature. And yeah. um, And then there's a dog in there. And the dog, in my mind, is Nana from Peter Pan. Oh, okay. Because there are no adults throughout this collection. There are children. Yes. And there are no adults. So the dog is there to be their minder. She's that's that's their nurse. Is is Nana the dog? That's great. Um. So, uh, but of course, when I decide stuff like this, I don't expect anybody to realize any of this. It's just what helps me flow through. Like you've got to get ideas from yes. somewhere, and so to me, it's always a little story. And well, this is why I love the background together. stories so there we can we hear kind of where it came from. So it, it means a lot more when you're looking through that beautiful paper of like, oh, this is where she was inspired, you know, what she was inspired by. So thank you. I love that. Um, okay. So we have to ask you a few questions yeah. that we ask of every guest. And to start out with, what is your go-to product right now that you use the most or is your favorite or you're passionate about? Well, the thing, it's such a silly little product, but um, enamel dots and anything else that can be used as like a small little confetti piece, I cannot finish a page without them because to me, I need some sort of little detail like that to sprinkle it on. And it's almost like a visual cue to me that says, okay, now it's done. Oh, I'm going to have to look for that now on all your layouts. Yeah, there's always this little sprinkling of something um, just to to make it finished. And it is something that when I work with scrapbookers who are saying, you know, here's what I make. um, And I just wish my pages were kind of bumped up to the next Mm -hmm. level kind of thing. Um, And that's often something that that we do. The two things I do the most often are say, move the stuff closer together so that your title is not floating away from the other things. Just bring it closer together. Big spaces don't work. Bring it closer together so it flows. And then add this little sprinkling to the end just to give a little life and make it not so static. Gives it a little bit of bounce. Great tips. Okay. 
what tip do you have for saving time when crafting or when you want to make something, but you don't have a ton of time to sit down and spread everything out or you just want to get something done quickly? Well, the, the part of it, it I, I think it's a two-part question. And I really learned the most about part one when um, when my son was tiny and didn't go to school, which was I went from being able to be like in the zone and scrapbooking all day uninterrupted to 10 minutes seems like the biggest amount of time I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Um, So I learned to make things in little pieces. So don't feel like you have to be able to sit down and make a whole page or you're not going to bother. Because if that happens, then you're not going to bother with scrapbooking. The end. So true. So come up with small things that you can do. Make a tag. Make an embellishment grouping. Um, And it will take some time to get to the idea that if you make these small little things, you can then use them to create a finished page mm-hmm. because we're not used to using that way, uh, using things that way. Normally, most scrapbookers look at the background and build up. What I'm suggesting you do is you look, you start with the photo and work back to the background. Okay. So if you have a photo, so one time you have five minutes, you give it a couple photo mats and a little index tab, and then you just leave it on your desk and you walk away. You put it in the drawer and you walk away. The next time you have 10 minutes, you come back to it and you stick a title on the side of it and you put it in the desk and you walk away and you come back and you're like, okay, now what, you know, maybe I need a big box of pattern paper. And you go through and you choose a big box of pattern paper and you put that on and you walk away. By the way, tiny little tip. One thing that always speeds me up is that if you find something that will work, that is what you're using. Do not keep looking. Stop. <laughs> it is like stop, drop, and roll. Good, good Stop, advice. pick, yes. and glue. Yes. You're going to do it. Um, yeah, because we can all look through. We could look your, through your entire warehouse of pattern paper and oh, then yeah. be like, but what if this is not the perfect paper? Yep. It does not need just to be the perfect paper. Just make a decision paper. and move forward. Keep it and go. Um, yeah, so working on those tiny little bits and then suddenly you'll be like, oh, hey, I finished the whole page put that in my album. And now I start again and I get the photo and I add a little bit at a time. That was a game changer. The other thing about time is that you've just got to be honest with yourself. If you tell somebody that you have no time to scrapbook, but you then have a conversation about this amazing TV show you watch, Mm -hmm. it's not that you don't have time. Mm -hmm. It's that you have chosen something else over scrapbooking, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But it's just how it's not scrapbooking specific. It's all about our whole lives and we all need balance. And if creating something is going to make you feel better, then sometimes it's worth either watching your Netflix while you scrapbook. Multitask. Or skip the Netflix. It's still going to be there next week. That's the beauty of Netflix. Yes. And, um, And make the page today because we all can get caught up in this little trap where we go, oh, I don't have any time because, but we find other things. Um, and for years, we didn't have a television in our house. And for and we, we still don't have a television, but now we have Netflix. So it doesn't matter that we don't have a television. But um, when people would be like, I can't believe you can make so many pages. How do you find the time? And I just go, oh, I don't have a television. And they would just look at me like I had three heads. Um, I'm like, well, you know, that's when you would sit down to watch TV, I would scrapbook because that was when I had a full-time normal job outside of scrapbooking. And so I definitely had to make time, but I just chose what I wanted to do. Okay. What is the most meaningful handmade project that you have created? Created? Oh, um, I'm not sure. It, I kind of feel like what I make is this one ongoing thing. So I, I'm up to just shy of 80 albums. Oh, wow. 
that's what I have in my in my world. And to me, it's like writing your life story. Mm-hmm. And that in, in England, people don't know what scrapbooking is. So and um, and in fact, if you say scrapbooking, they get an image in their mind of um in the 70s of, of people cutting out like pop stars from magazines mm-hmm. or sports stars mm-hmm. and then pasting them into a book, like yes. you want to paste them onto your wall. Um, and so they're like, that's a job? <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, no, not like that. No, <laughs> not pictures of David Cassidy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I stopped using the word scrapbooking to describe pe- when people would say, oh, what do you do for a living? Um, and I went through various different things. And the thing that seemed to click was I would say, oh, well, I help people who are kind of crafty to write their life story in a, in a crafty sort of way. And we use their photos and we use pretty paper and we use stickers and they write the story of their lives and the story of their family. And that is something oh, that's universal and that people understand with everybody. that. Yeah. Um, so then it doesn't feel like, yeah, it doesn't feel so, I don't know, it, it doesn't have a, an artificial attitude about it because everybody kind of gets that. And if paper and stickers are your sort of thing, it's it feels in the in the description it feels secondary so people are like oh so you just play with stickers for a living I don't get that right. I get oh that sounds cool and you must meet interesting people with interesting stories and I do meet interesting people with interesting stories so and it's such a right. meaningful thing you yeah. know that uh, to to be able to document yeah. your life story so so your albums you would yeah, say it's, uh, yeah I have like a library and it is it's too much to pass on which I'm very aware of because I am I mean I've been doing this a long time and I am quite prolific because I have to be or <laughs> or I would not have a job. So um, I keep a list, a master list for my family who know which album it's tucked into, Aww. which gives them instructions on which pages I would prefer them to keep and they can set the rest free and burn Aww. them, recycle them. No way. Them. I don't Can't know. have too many scrapbooks. Send them into space would be awesome, <laughs> but you know. What would you say is the most meaningful handmade gift that you've received from someone else? So um, the thing that just absolutely gobsmacked me was um, a few years ago, I photographed a wedding for a friend who is a knitter. Um, and she was a scrapbooker when I met her. That's how I met her. Um, but she has since uh, become quite the knitter. She's very accomplished. And uh, when we, when she was getting ready, she came out with this gift for me. And I thought she was carrying something she'd knit for herself because I knew she was knitting a wedding shawl that she was mm-hmm. going to wear in the evening. Um, and the color of it when she had it in her hands, I thought, I don't, I don't I'm surprised that she would pick that color. Uh-huh. <laughs> she hadn't. She had knit me a sweater in a pattern that I really liked and had always complimented her on when Aww. she wore it. Um, and it is the like the coziest thing I have ever owned. Um, <clears throat> and to to be, you know, like even like with this scrapbook page, even if I made somebody a scrapbook page, that's only going to be a few hours of my time. She knit me an entire sweater. Right. You know? It means so that much. That was a lot of time of thinking about that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It, it, every time I wear it, I just kind of think, my goodness, the amount of work that went into this. Um, what a beautiful gift. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you. We are out of time. I feel like we could just talk for another (laughs) hour, but we are out of time. But we want to thank you for spending some time with us in the studio today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We want to thank Shamel for speaking with us today. I just loved hearing her personal stories behind her collections and really appreciated all of the tips she shared with us today. 
You can find links to all of the products and resources we mentioned in this episode in the show notes. And you can go to scrapbook.com slash podcast for more information as well. Scrapbook.com carries over 40,000 unique items and is the number one online store for paper crafters. When you shop at scrapbook.com, you'll enjoy award-winning customer service, great prices, a huge selection of products, and super fast shipping. You'll also benefit from nearly 200,000 real product reviews from crafters like you. Also make sure to connect and get inspired by other crafters in the scrapbook.com forum and gallery, and you can even take free online classes too. Be sure to subscribe to the Life Handmade podcast in your favorite app and enjoy our other episodes. Happiness is Life Handmade. 